Grain to Glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Pack. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet, according to my mother. Yes. So what have you been brewing lately, Miles? Uh, you know, I actually brewed a what was Saison yesterday. Really? Yes. What was your recipe? Uh, I wasn't part of the recipe making. Oh, okay. I just kind of showed up, and then he threw some grains at me and said, we're getting started. Well, that's good, and I, I said, guess. okay, let's go. <laughs> Bring it. So you have no idea what the recipe was? No, uh, it was um, barley, of course, two-row with uh, some rye, corn, and okay. oats. Nice. Uh, and what yeast did you guys pitch? It was a it was a saison yeast. I'm trying to think of which one it was. I want to say like 078 or something. Okay. I I might be misquoting there. All right. So it was um, White Labs. Okay. Very cool. Very yep. cool. Uh, yep. Did you start it or did you pitch? Did uh, you no, pitch? we just pitched. Hmm. We just pitched. It was like a 1040 OG. Why Why no starters? Uh, because we didn't know we were going to be doing it. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah, he sense. he had also brewed another batch earlier that day. Okay. And instead of a starter, uh, he just poured two packages of the Smack Packs. Okay, I, that works. He doubled up at like yeah. 1065 or something. That works. I unfortunately have not had time to brew. Uh, last week was the homebrew competition where we did this show. Uh, but this show did not come out well, so we're going to redo this show so yes, the rest yep. of you guys can hear it out there on the internet. Uh, but yeah, no, that went pretty well. I, I won a thing, kind of. did. Kind of, sort of. Well, yeah. Winning by default still winning, right? You, did you get money for it? Yes. Did you buy homebrew supplies for it? Not yet. Okay. Well, it still counts as winning. All right, then we're good. All right, cool. Yes. Yes, winning. No, um, and guess what I have here for you? What do you have here for me? The Goza that I talked about so long ago. Oh, man. So I guess why don't we go right into that? Let's try that Goza. Goza, Goza. Yeah. Uh, so this why don't you is, talk about, yeah. Yeah. So this is a beer, uh, primarily wheat, usually a little more than 50%. Uh, and it's made with additions of salt and coriander. And... During the mash process, you can use one of several means to acidify the mash, uh, or you can use a souring yeast in the fermentation to get some sour. Uh, it it smells blue moony, like very. It smells like a blue moon. Uh, to be fair, it's coriander and wheat. Yeah, yeah, no. So I I was I was kind of expecting that. Yeah, the taste it tastes nothing like it smells. No, it, it really doesn't. Um, it's not quite as cold as you should be drinking it. And uh, please believe me when I say that the flavor profile really falls apart if you, if you try and drink it warm. So, There's another beer that has that issue called Budweiser. Right. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I care for salty beer. The, the other problem is... is now, we put the salt at 15 minutes in the boil, and so it came out as really, really briny mm-hmm. instead of just being like... Yeah, it it, ta- it tastes like it was made with seawater. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I've had different gozas where that wasn't the case. Um, oh, how do I describe it? You taste the salt throughout. Yeah, every, no, I, like, I've 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 had I've had a commercial goza since the last time we talked. Yeah, um, all throughout, and it just everywhere on the tongue, and that's way too much, and that's not the kind of uh, flavor pro, or it's not kind, it's not the kind of salt flavor we were wanting to have. Okay. Um, and that can be changed by putting the salt in at different times. So instead of putting it in the boil, uh, we're probably just going to put it in the fermenter again. Yeah. We're going to do it again and put it in the fermenter. I would try that because this, it just, it tastes off, I guess. No, it is. I mean, this, it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. Hmm. But we'd never made a goza before. Yeah. Um, and so it's Other than the salt aspect, if I can get past that, um... It it tastes like it fermented fairly clean. Yeah. Um, yep. Like everything else seems fairly spot on. Just that salt. The it, first couple of days, it actually fermented really hot. Really? On purpose. Okay. I mean, we were using souring yeast. Oh, okay. that makes sense then. Yeah. Oh. Uh, hmm. So, I mean, it's not a failure given that it's the first one we've ever made. Yeah. In a style that hardly exists. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't call it a failure by any... By any search of the imagination, I just, it's just not something I don't think I would like to drink. Yeah, I can see that. Some improvement needed, definitely. So yeah, you got to move that salt around. We're going to move the salt around. Um, yeah, that's like the one big thing. We might try and put a little bit more coriander in there, but then again, we might not because yeah, we just I, can't well, find I, it. I well, I would leave everything uh, the way it is right now. Uh, and just move that salt addition around. See if you can get less of a seawater flavor. Yeah. Yep. And that's uh, it's just briny. That's like the all without or all throughout kind mm-hmm. of flavor. That's just not not working for it's me. It's just it's just not. Yeah. If it was a more, I guess, more subtle salt. And well, it doesn't even need to be like that. Uh, it w- or I mean, I guess the way I had envisioned it, it would be just a little bit more like. Pungent salt, like it just hits the tongue and then it kind of fades away. Yeah. So. Uh, this, it, I, I guess I taste it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. it's yeah. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about this beer because I didn't, didn't really care for it, and so it was, it was hard to. No, hard, and no, I, I'm I, not, I'm not super familiar with the style either, and so it's yeah. hard for me to dig well, into it. I mean, it's not an official style. It's not. I don't think so. Huh. Okay. And so I ha- actually had to do a lot of digging to find, um, instead of guidelines, just like standards for what people have been doing. Okay. And yeah, there's. I mean, there's very little to to give you. You know, a lot of things to work with. Did you guys do a five gallon batch of this then? This was a five gallon batch. Yes, it's currently on tap. Nice. Yes. Curious to see how fast that'll go. Not very. <laughs> Honestly, there's a mount that uh, may just never be drank. Yeah. I, well, you yeah. could use it for cooking. It'd go really good with, uh, Actually, with, like, with like cooking some seafood. Ooh, we love seafood. Yeah. That's what I would use it for because I don't know if I could drink it. Well, I wonder how well it would go in like a beer-battered fish. Ooh, that wouldn't be half bad either. Yeah. 
Food for yeah. thought. Or food, just food. Yum, yum, yeah. food. All right. Uh, is that the only homebrew we're tasting today? Is that the only one we got? I'm not exactly sure what the other ones are. I don't remember. I th- uh, these were a couple of beers he made without me. Oh, okay. Well, do we do we want to try one just to just to see what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have or can you get rid of that for me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we got another few minutes here before we got to move on to the discussion. And while Miles is pouring, pick a number: one, two, or three. Uh oh, man. Uh two, 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 two. Let's talk about. All right, it's in a growler. That's all I have left. A growler. This is pretty exciting. Oh, nice hiss. Hiss. That's right. I'm gonna narrate this because it makes good radio. Better radio than just sitting there. We didn't plan super well for the show. It's super early in the morning today. That's more Goza. Okay, we don't want that. Miles grabbed too much Goza. It it's apparently just four bottles of Goza. I hope not. <laughs> All right, we got another growler. This one looks exactly the same as the last one. Nice hiss. You got a hiss. Pours into the glass. And it's more Goza. No, I think this is his IPA. All right, we got an IPA. Perfect. Are you okay with IPAs? No, I hate them. What? So much. IPAs are the worst style. When did that happen? Uh, this morning. I made up that decision right now. So, yeah, the, the homebrew competition I thought went really well. Uh, we There was an okay turnout. Uh, not quite as many as last year, but that's that's because for some reason, Saturday night was a ridiculous night in River Falls. Like, just everybody was out in a boot. We are actually going, or we're planning on doing it a different day. Ooh, Saturday? Not on River Falls days. Ooh. Um, Because we're thinking that was half our problem. Yeah. We went for the Sunday. Saturday just kind of wrecked everybody, and then Sunday people just didn't want to get up, and I think, you know, it's like... 10 o'clock rolls around, they're like, I am still in bed. 11 o'clock, still in bed. 12 o'clock, don't want to get up yet. 1 o'clock, don't want to get up yet. 2 o'clock, it's it's too late. I might as well just not go. Yeah. All right. Well, this IPA, it smells IPA-like. Um, yes. Uh, tropical, and there's yeah. some pear in there, and it smells a little dry. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know anything about this IPA, do we? Not off the top Not of my a, head. Okay. Nope. This, so we'll, we'll we'll taste it, and we'll talk with Eric, and we'll have him yeah, no, uh, give and, me some notes, and I'll throw them up on the website. And this is the first one he brewed all by himself. This was an all oh, wow. batch with an, e- with an equipment set that I designed, uh, and he brewed all by himself. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, good bitterness all the way through. It's solid. Yeah, it, it's, it turned out pretty well. I think he... Um, Fell short on the gravity by oh half a dozen points or so. Um, okay, and that's partly because uh, our system is temporarily downgraded, and so we're doing a batch sparge instead of a fly sparge. Ah, um, and we've been used to doing the fly sparge for a couple of years, and it's just you know you lose a couple of points when you assume fly sparge. Yeah, the only the only thing I I can say about this is I can't really pick out individual hops when I'm tasting it. Yeah, uh, it seems. Hmm. 
It could be my tongue is still coated with salt from the goza, so. No, there's, I don't know, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble picking anything out. You know, I'm actually kind of okay with that on a level. Yeah, no, it's it, it tastes good. It tastes like a mystery. I do love a good mystery. Yes. No, uh, just means we'll actually have to have Eric on the show. We, Which we've been meaning to do anyway. We just got to figure out a time yeah. to do it. Um, I'm thinking about being there on Sunday next week. Would you be okay with a Skype session? Uh, Sunday might. No, we'll talk after the show. All right. Talk after the show. All right. Um, well, we should move on to the discussion. This week we're talking about uh, sparging. And, yes. Miles, what is sparging? Well, loudering is the step after mashing where you separate the wort and the grains. Sparging is the act of using additional water to facilitate the process and rinse the grains. So we're talking about sparging and loudering today. Well, loudering is just kind of part of the definition. Um, Like, on a commercial level, uh, brewers will have a louder ton and a sparge ton. And in home brewing, it's kind of the same vessel. It ends up being the same vessel. So you have the louder sparge ton. All right. Um, So I got a little quiz here for you. Oh, man, I do love a good quiz. Right? Okay, question one. What are the two primary methods of sparging in homebrewing? Man, I think I I know this. I think I know this. I think it is batch sparging and fly sparging. Yes, I believe I just talked about those, didn't I? And, And fly sparging? Is what all the cool kids do because it's real fly. Thanks for that. You're welcome. McFly. You're welcome. That's that's why people come to this show for my rapier wit humor. <laughs> and my hilarious jokes. Yes. Okay, so what is the difference between batch and fly sparging? So batch sparging is when you take uh, a large volume of water and dump it into the mash tun all at once and let it sit, soak up those sugars, and then essentially... Uh, you know, louder it again and take it all out. Yes. Yep. Um, and then fly sparging is more of a continuous sparge, yep. where you're pumping water through and it comes out of a like almost like a sprinkler head at the top of the mash tun and rains down onto the grain bed. Yes. And goes through that way. Yep. The the short version being that batch sparging is like. Uh, two single big steps, and then fly sparging is just one continuous process. Yes. Yep. Uh, batch sparging is much easier to do on the on the cheap because yeah, it, there's there's less complicated parts, and you don't have to work just, or try as hard. You just, yeah, you just fill it with water and drain it at the appropriate times. Yep. Uh, let's see. What temperature? Of water do you want to sparge with? 170. Yes, and why is that? Because it will stop all of your enzymatic processes, and any higher, you will, uh, you'll, you'll start pulling stuff out that you don't want. So it's, it'll essentially stop the mash without tannin extraction. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll just give you a little follow-up question here. What's the difference between uh, sparge temperature and mash temperature? Uh, about 15 degrees. I, I meant the definitional difference. Like, why, why are the temperatures different? Uh, it's, it depends on what, the, what, uh, 
what you're trying to do. So your mash temperatures, you're trying to promote enzyme activity to break down those starches into sugars. Yep. So you can pull all of that deliciousness out of the grains. And uh, you, you sparge higher uh, because you want to stop that activity so you don't over-extract your grains, which can lead to problems like uh, uh, diacetyl, or no, not diacetyl, DMS. Yep. You can get DMS from over-extraction and stuff like that. So you just want to stop those off off flavors. Yep, and then um, also because uh, at the highest temperature that you would ever want to do this, which is 170, um, you maximize uh, solubility of the sugars. So you just help pull out as much as you can without getting anything you don't want. Mm-hmm. So, all right. How much do you typically want to sparge with? What what volumes of water are you looking to use? Um, you want what I do is whatever will take me to the ke- to where where my volume needs to be is yeah. is what I sparge with. Yep. Uh, I mean you don't you don't want to drown drown it too much, but just get your get yourself up to volume. Yeah. Um. That that's usually what I end up doing, and we haven't had any problems. Uh, research tells me that you should shoot for, or at least a good guideline is about half as much as you mashed with. So it's like, say you got your you know your twelve gallon batch, and you mash with what four or five gallons of grain or five gallons of water. Okay. Um, you would shoot for about you know two and a half or three for the sparge, and that would get you about your six. Six gallons of oil. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, because you're gonna lose you're gonna lose a lot in in the grain. I suppose. Like that's that's why I don't I don't I don't trust this half thing because in my experience you're gonna get you're you're gonna lose three quarters of your water that you put into the into the strike. Yeah. Because the grain's gonna I, soak it up. I, I did read this and it said that there are reasons for trying to keep these these water volumes at about these levels and mostly because of um, if you just oversaturate the grains um, you can start pulling out uh, tannins even without going above 170 because there's just nothing else to grab and the water starts trying to soak this stuff in Um, it didn't say explicitly and my assumption would be that even if you're not hitting your volumes you just top off later and that you should be getting all your sugars either way. Hmm. I don't trust it. Well, because if you're undershooting your volume uh, with the with the mash and the sparge water, it probably just means you have a really small batch. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to be running, you know, six gallons of grain or six gallons of water through, you know, seven pounds of grain. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like fun. Right. Okay. Um. What are the risks of sparging too hot or too cold? I know we kind of we talked we, about, we talked about hot too end. hot, uh, which is tannin extraction. Yep, is the big thing. Uh, and then too cold, your big issue there is going to be not getting all of those sugars. Yep, poor poor sugar extraction. Yep. So I mean, for the most part, uh, sparging is a fairly simple and straightforward process. Um, just try and hit your volumes properly and hit your temperatures accordingly, and it's a pretty fail-safe step during the brewing process. Oh, yeah. Pretty easy. So that pretty much brings me to the end of my brewing quiz for you today. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's do uh, a quick discussion here. So, Miles, you, you have a fly sparge set up, right? 
Uh, yes, it is currently down for maintenance, but yes. Why don't, why don't you just tell me a little bit about it? Uh, like how you how you constructed it and step, what parts go into it. Yeah, so step one, or I, I suppose, first thing to consider, this is a completely homemade setup. This doesn't rely on almost anything that you would buy from a homebrew shop at this point. Um, I bought a, uh, a big old 23-gallon cooler, a rectangular shape, and I designed my own false bottom to go into it. And... I was, or I designed what's called a HERMS, or a heat exchange recirculating mash system, which is basically a way to use a pump to recirculate the mash liquid during the mash process. And so you're literally doing nothing but running it around in a circle. And that extra movement actually builds up um, extraction because of moving liquid will take in more than a, a stagnant yeah. liquid. And... With that, uh, in order to prevent channeling, when I recirculate to the top of the mash tun, underneath it I mounted a tray with a bunch of holes so that it would basically just fill up and then rain down on the mash. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting to the fly sparging, all I do is I unplug it from the pump and then I put it right into my my sparge tun so that when I let the sparge water in, it fills up that tray and then rains down. Okay. And so what's really, really nice about that is is I can fly sparge uh, with a closed system. I don't lose oh, very any nice. temperature whatsoever. I think the last time we really checked, we lost like one and a half degrees over a fly sparge period of 48 minutes. Wow. It's awesome. It, it was really, really nice. Very cool. So... Uh, I think the first batch we did, we actually jumped like 14 points. Oh, wow. For efficiency. We actually hit almost a full 2% higher on the beer than we intended to. That's awesome. Yeah. And actually, that that beer turned out really, really good, but definitely off of what we wanted it to be. Because it was supposed to be a table beer, and here it's, you know, we had to attach the term imperial on the front. An imperial table beer? Yeah, right. This is for the king's table. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So I I batch sparge. Yes. Uh, I have the the traditional igloo cooler round mash tun. Uh, It's a 10-gallon mash tun, which I I need to upgrade because I'm now doing 10-gallon batches, and it's not quite big enough for what I need. Yeah. Uh, But I... It could I, be with fly sparging. It could be, but not with wanting to do imperial, like if I ever want to do anything big. Well, no, I mean, my point was uh, for the longest time, we designed our recipes for right around 75% efficiency. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what we bought the grain for. And getting higher efficiency just means you get better extraction yeah. from those grains. And if you assume, like in this case, 85% efficiency, which is what we had to adjust for, your recipes become smaller. But not enough at 10 gallons. or at, at, Like, right now I'm doing, you know, 22 pounds of grain for... You might go all the way down to 21 or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to lose a pound of grain, which doesn't, doesn't help a whole lot. <laughs> There's just not quite enough. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I I mean I get decent extraction. Uh, I think I'm at 
Uh, I'm in the I'm in the mid to high seventies. Yeah, no, just I mean, under eighty. Which is right where I want to be. Is not like inherently inefficient. No, it's not. It's just fly sparge ends up being a little bit better, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even blame it on my fly sparging. I would blame it more on my recirculating mash. Yeah. Than than the sparging. And the the thing I like about batch sparging is it gives me. A little bit of downtime in between things where I can start getting other stuff cleaned up and set up. Because what I'll do is I'll dump my sparge water, uh, reseal the lid, and let it sit for 10 minutes to make sure it's pulled all that stuff out before I start draining. I've read that you actually want to shoot for 20 to 30 minutes. That the uh... I've done longer and I've gotten bad extractions from it. Have you really? Yeah. Okay. So I I just stay, I stick with what works for me. No, no, not a problem. Yeah. I mean... All of this is uh, outside research that I have have done because we almost never did it. Mm-hmm. We almost, we pretty much started with fly sparging, and then probably did it poorly for a long yeah. time. Well, and it, and it, it's different for everybody. Like everyone should try their own thing, experiment a little bit, figure out what works for them, and yeah. then do that. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of what we're giving you are guidelines for an inexact science. Pretty much, homebrew is very inexact at, yeah. at 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 the beginner level, and it gets more and more as you purchase ridiculous amounts of equipment. Yes, or in my case, start making your own. Yes, which is so fun. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's 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 where I do. Um, I, I recommend people start with batch sparging just because it's easier, and you're gonna get into it a lot faster yeah. than if you if you're trying to do all these moving pieces right yeah. away. No, it, I, I was explaining that because I went over to my buddies with whom we brew and uh we were going to start doing a beer and my my girlfriend came along because you know we were originally just looking to hang out and I ended up explaining to her and I'm like, "See what we're doing? This is how easy it is." The way we used to do it required our constant attention for two straight hours. Yeah. And that's over the mash and the the sparging. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding. I would be sitting in a chair staring at, like, dials and stuff for two straight hours trying to make sure this thing went off right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's fun. But, like, I, I like to brew alone, and so, like, that that's good for me. But when other people are around, it's terrible because they want to talk or something. And so you need something a little bit more hands-off. Yeah, no, and, and that's definitely a way to do it. It is so much easier. It's so much less stressful. I mean, and I'm talking about my own setup, which I didn't even talk about all of it. It's extremely complicated, mostly because it's extremely janky. Janky's a word for it, for janky, sure. yeah. You haven't even seen it yet. You need to see it in all its glory. <laughs> I've seen the bits and pieces that have that have come through. Yes. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion for this week, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. Right. We'll be back next week with a yet-to-be-determined discussion. So that's that's a thing that'll happen. Uh, let's see. Here we go. I got this here. There we go. See? Yeah. Uh, really no announcements this week, but if you want to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash Studios. Uh, Patreon is like a recurring donation thing, so if you go there, you know, you can do a buck or two a month, and we'll give you something in return. It's it's a fantastic deal. Everybody wins. Or if you're going to do any of your Amazon shopping, 
uh, go to our webpage, uh, blindnewstudios.com, and at the bottom of the link, we have an Amazon link. If you click on that, it'll bring you right to Amazon.com. But uh, any purchases you make, a, uh, a portion of those will come to us. So we'll get a little bit of kickback from Amazon. So easy to do, and you support us as well. So that's fantastic. If you have any feedback on this episode or any of our other shows, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindnewstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios, or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>